InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Many Americans are investing in Bitcoin. Others have heard of it but don't know much about it, and still others view cryptocurrency with skepticism. Here to shed some light is Vijay Boyapati, author of The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. Let's start at the very beginning. Exactly what is Bitcoin and where did it come from? Bitcoin is a new form of money that exists on the internet, and it really came out of nowhere. It was created by an anonymous figure known as Satoshi Nakamoto, that was his pseudonym, and he published a paper in 2008 which solved a very fundamental problem in computer science called the Byzantine Generals Problem. And by solving this problem, he made something possible that had never been possible in the history of the world which is now you can transfer value between distant people without a trusted intermediary. So I can send something valuable to you as easily as I could send an email to you. It's a profoundly important innovation and it was the creation of Bitcoin. A good store of wealth has attributes. How does a relative newcomer like Bitcoin compare to other asset classes like gold or US dollars? Yeah, now this is a difficult question for people to wrap their heads around usually because most people think of valuable assets in terms of generating cash flow. So a rental property or stocks and bonds, they all generate cash flow. Money is valued differently. Money is valued based on its usefulness as a medium of exchange or as a store of value, as you said, and the unit of account. And historically, certain goods have been valued as money because they have these properties that make them really suitable for those roles of money. And these properties have been known for a very long time. They've been known since the time of Aristotle, and he wrote about these properties. The properties that make for good money are divisibility, so you want to be able to divide it into smaller pieces. Transportability, so for instance, gold is better money than a cow fungibility every unit of the currency should be equivalent to every other unit and probably the most important attribute of a good store of value and a good form of money is scarcity you don't want your money to be completely abundant because then no one will value it no one will want to hold it this has actually been the fate of many different monies through history that were created by governments they just created too much of it and then people no longer valued it and you get this thing called a hyperinflation So along the attributes that make for a good store of value and a good form of money, Bitcoin actually excels along all of them. It is more scarce than gold. It's more portable than gold. It's easier to secure and more cheap to secure than gold. So for instance, if you wanted to store $100 million worth of Bitcoin, you could do that using a USB drive. To store $100 million worth of gold, you'd need a lockbox and a security guard and security cameras and uh, insurance policy and, and all sorts of things. So if you consider the attributes that make for good money, Bitcoin excels across all of them. And it's why people have begun adopting it as a new form of money and, and a new store of value. There have been some high-profile fraud cases involving crypto, such as the Sam Bankman-Fried operation. Based on those cases, do you consider Bitcoin to be a high-risk investment? I think it's really important to separate Bitcoin as a new asset from the businesses that are built around allowing people to buy and sell Bitcoin. It's sort of similar to the way you might think about gold as an asset versus gold miners. 
Now, gold miners do all sorts of things which people find deplorable. They destroy the environment and they treat local populations quite poorly. And unfortunately, some of the businesses that have been created around buying and selling Bitcoin have been pretty nefarious and there's been a lot of malfeasance from the people who operate these businesses. So you brought up the case of Sam Bankman-Fried, but actually one of the early exchanges in the space was called Mt. Knox. And there was a similar issue with the CEO of that company, Mark Carpellis, who was also arrested for malfeasance. So it's quite unfortunate that because this is a new technology, it's kind of the Wild West. The regulatory landscape is not very clear. It's attracted a lot of people who have questionable business ethics. But that doesn't really impugn Bitcoin as a new asset and as an innovation. I think the two things really do need to be separated. So I think it's really important if someone is interested in Bitcoin that they look for the most credible ways of getting access to it because there are a lot of people in the space who unfortunately haven't behaved very ethically. Our guest is Vijay Boyapati, author of The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. Just recently, and this is, I guess, big news in the Bitcoin space, government regulators are allowing ordinary investors to purchase Bitcoin through spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds. Is this a significant change, and what's the long-term effect? Yeah, this is definitely a historic moment for Bitcoin as an asset. It means that people now have the ability to get access to Bitcoin in a way that they'll be very familiar with. You know, most people who have invested in the stock market understand how to go and buy stocks using their brokerage account. You know, it's it's not too difficult to go to Vanguard or Fidelity and buy Apple or Microsoft or an ETF like the Standard & Poor's ETF. The approval of a Bitcoin ETF makes it just as easy to get access to Bitcoin. You can go to your brokerage service and look up one of these ETF ticker symbols and buy it just as easily as if you were buying Microsoft stock. So what it really does is it makes it much more accessible for the broad public because before the ETF approval, people would have to understand how to go to one of these specialized services like Coinbase. They would have to understand how to set up a Bitcoin wallet And this was just a little too much for some people who are not technologically savvy and they find this quite confusing. So now they have much, much easier access. And I think what this means is that the pool of savings that will flow into Bitcoin will be much, much larger because it will expose Bitcoin to a much bigger retail audience. In your book, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, you outline many common misconceptions about the coin. One of them is that the price is too volatile to make it a good store of value. What's your response to that? Yeah, one confusion people have is that money is a medium of exchange and that that's its only function. Actually, money has other functions like a store of value and eventually a unit of account. And one of the things that I explain in my book is that money goes through this evolution through the stages or functions of money before it becomes fully fledged money and it's a unit of account what you think of today as the dollar where you go into a grocery store and everything you see is priced in terms of dollars and this process for gold took many thousands of years and the process for bitcoin of going through the evolution of the stages of money 
has been vastly compressed into the space of a decade or so. But that process cannot happen without volatility. The volatility is really just a function of the fact that people are adopting Bitcoin as a store of value. And more people adopt Bitcoin, the higher the price goes. Eventually, the price will plateau because everyone, I believe, will eventually have some of their savings in Bitcoin. And then when the price plateaus, it'll become suitable as a medium of exchange. And then eventually as a unit of account, when I think, you know, you'll go to a grocery store and you'll see bread and meat and things and milk priced in terms of Bitcoins. Bitcoin being a digital product, some people say, what would happen if there was a power failure and worldwide power failure? What would happen to Bitcoin? What's your take on that one? It is digital. I mean, the same criticism could apply also to the dollar. The dollar is fundamentally digital. I mean, people think of the dollar in terms of the physical bills, but most dollars that exist exist as just an entry on a ledger in some computer. And most of them exist as an entry in a ledger on a computer at the Federal Reserve, the US government's central bank. So the same criticism could be made for the dollar. But the benefit of Bitcoin is it's far more distributed than the dollar. So Most of the dollars are held at computers controlled by the Federal Reserve. Bitcoin is a network of computers that are spread all around the world, tens of thousands of computers. So these computers hold a record called the blockchain of all the transactions that have ever happened. If the power went out, you wouldn't be able to transact Bitcoin for a while. But when the power came back on, that record would still exist and the network would just start up normally. Are any nation states using Bitcoin as their reserve currency? Well, El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, and actually they have begun accumulating Bitcoins for their reserves. So you could say El Salvador is a pioneer and it's the first country doing this. There are some other countries that hold some Bitcoin in reserve, maybe not intentionally. (laughs) The United States government, for instance, holds hundreds of thousands of Bitcoins in reserve that they have acquired through seizure of some drug businesses in the mid-2012s, I think. And those Bitcoins that the government has held not intentionally have dramatically increased in value. So if the US government or any other government had sought out Bitcoin and held it in reserve, it would have benefited dramatically from doing so. But as far as I'm aware, there's only one country that has begun doing this, holding Bitcoin as part of its foreign currency reserves. You kind of touched on this, but you think one day that Bitcoin could supplant the US dollar? I certainly believe it will. I think that process is going to take decades, however. And it goes back to something that Charles de Gaulle said in the 1960s. He was the president of France and he complained that the United States had won itself an exorbitant privilege by having the world's reserve currency. And by having the world's reserve currency, the US could export its inflation around the world. And de Gaulle said that he believed that the world would once again adopt a neutral form of money, a neutral monetary base. At the time, he thought it would be gold. Gold, unfortunately, has numerous problems that make it less suitable in a modern world. It's certainly much more difficult to transport gold and to trade with gold. Bitcoin is very suitable for those things and it has the benefit it's much easier to custody, self-custody and control your own Bitcoin. I'll give you an example of why this is important. Venezuela had a lot of its gold held in London and when it demanded its gold back, the British government refused to send that gold. So I think nation states are eventually going to see that it's important to hold an asset that 
is neutral and that they can own themselves and custody themselves so that they have sovereignty over their own savings. Not all nations really like the fact that the US has so much power and I think a world with a neutral money would be a much fairer world to live in. As we wrap this up, what would you say to somebody who's maybe thinking this would be something to maybe invest for my kids to hold and see how it goes? I mean, what do you think of that idea? I think everyone should have some exposure to Bitcoin. I think the only allocation to Bitcoin that really doesn't make sense is having a 0% allocation. The price often trips people up. They look at it and they say, well, it was lower before, so maybe I'm buying in too expensive. Really, the price of Bitcoin, because it's a form of money and not a cash-producing asset, is a reflection of how much it's been adopted as money. So the way I would look at it if I was speaking to someone thinking about investing in Bitcoin is what percentage of your portfolio are you, do you feel comfortable allocating to Bitcoin? And for a new investor, that might be as little as 1%. If it's someone who's early in their investing career and they're in their 20s and they feel much more aggressive, it could be 10 or 20%. I know a lot of people have much, much higher allocations to Bitcoin. And part of that is them starting with an allocation of say 5 or 10% and just the fact that it's appreciated so much and it's being adopted by more people has made it grow into a much larger part of their portfolios. I guess my main point of advice is it really doesn't make sense to have no allocation of Bitcoin and with the, the ETFs being launched it's very easy to get an allocation of say 1 to 5% of your portfolio in Bitcoin today. Vijay Boyapati, author of The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. VJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. Next, the dangers of today's high THC marijuana. That story coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 